0: You are listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news.
2: I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor, 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 and doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Doctor Rashid Batar.
1: I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. <laughs>
0: The doctor
2: is in. All right. Let's see. Dr. Patar will be here in just a moment. I want to acknowledge and thank everybody for participating in uh, the special broadcast we did yesterday, a memorialization of our friend Liam Sheff, who passed away uh, last weekend of last week. And uh, it's been an emotional weekend for me. If you're wondering why I haven't slept, I've kind of like that emotional hangover because it's been, you know, deeply, you know, move with the loss of a, a loved one, a brother, right? And, of course, if you haven't read his book, Official Stories, it really is an extraordinary book, and it will live on as a wonderful legacy to the brilliant mind and intellect that Liam Sheff had while he was here. And um, his final words are written at com. We also published them with his permission at com with uh, pictures to kind of give you a sense of who he was. He was really, despite his keen intellect, he was a big kid at heart. Uh, really goofy and fun, and we have lots of uh, archived uh, audio programs with him over the years, and I, I encourage you to go back and listen. He definitely definitely pushed the envelope <laughs> everywhere he went, and uh, expanding people's thoughts on things. So with that, we're going to welcome our good buddy, Dr. Rasha Bittar. We do advanced medicine each and every week, and y- you also uh, knew Liam as well, and uh, certainly appreciated what he put out in official stories. What a book, uh, and uh, the legacy he has will we'll continue.
1: Yeah, I thought the book was uh, fantastic, and I was actually surprised to hear when I got your message a couple days ago. But uh, anyway, it's a very, very strange thing, and it kind of shows how precious life really is. And, yeah, you know,
2: um, uh, Dr. Batar, I, I just want to bring this up because I, I talked about this yesterday as I opened the show, yet, talking about Liam yesterday, and, and, I, and I called it a lesson for all of us about the hypersensitives. There are people that have been, whether it be vaccine injury or generational decline due to environmental issues, abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, whatever it is, can create people, and I know you've met them as a healer, that are so sensitive to everything that the normal rules you almost have to throw out. I mean, they all need the same kind of help, but they can't tolerate a tenth, a fraction of what would be a normal dose for a regular person. And someone like Liam, who had a hypersensitive nervous system, goes into the dentist has some pretty intense work. No root canals. He didn't have mercury in there or anything, but really had to work on his teeth. And it brutalized his brain and nervous system to the point of almost irreparable damage. And I'm not saying that happens to everybody who goes to see a dentist, but my wife, as you know, has had five years of ongoing lingering issues from a dental procedure that most people would think would be fairly routine. So there are these exceptions to the rule or the what I call the hypersensitives out there that, man, it's the ultimate uh, of an individual treatment pattern for them. It's not easy with dealing with these folks.
1: Yeah, they're, they're the canaries in the coal mine. And we've talked about that before. The canaries were used by the coal miners because they were more sensitive to their environment. They were more sensitive to the effects of the methane gas. So when the canaries would fall around, the mines, that uh, the, the level of methane gas was getting too dangerous and they needed to exhale, they were more sensitive to the environment. And so this is something that has become a term to associate it with those sensors. This of, is a not just external environment, but your internal environment, and anything that's done to that environment that will manipulate or change it. Sometimes, even for the better, when you're removing mercury amalgams, as you use as an example, I've had a, more than a dozen cases of people that had the mercury done the, the way. And even if it's done the ideal way, sometimes it'll, it'll negatively affect them because their, their systems are so. Uh, uh, are so uh, hyper, as you said, so hypersensitive. Yeah. They have a negative response. And it, that doesn't mean you can do it. It just means that you need to be more judicious. You need to
2: approach it in a more sure. uh, a manner. judicious hey, manner. Sure. Ginger Hey, I should say. Uh, hey, Jason, on the board, we're, we're having some major clipping with Dr. Batar's phone line, and I don't want to lose these words. They're so important, the lessons we get to teach together uh, on the air doing advanced medicine. J- Jace, can you connect, reconnect with Dr. Batar? so we can understand every word he says, maybe through Skype. All right, and Super Don, if you can get him the right uh, connection there somehow. But uh, I do want to talk about this some more with Dr. Batar because he has that level of sensitivity. He has seen many patients over the years, and it's this is not theoretical. This is very real. This is very practical. And yet so few doctors on all levels, even of the holistic variety, even holistic dentists, Really take this the the time to find out if this is one of those fe- people, and if if so, we've got to reassess how we go about what would be considered a normal intervention, dental or otherwise. And I think that's something I'd like to continue uh, discussing uh, when we can. Now, um, Super D, do we have uh, uh, Doctor Batar yet? Otherwise, I want to. I'll go to one of the stories here. Yeah, we'll, talk about.
0: we'll we'll continue to work on here. Maybe we can do Skype with him. I'll I'll check on that.
2: Okay um uh, now uh, john rapaport has written another great article and we have it published at com. you can click on it it's linked right in the show notes today uh if you go to com, and where are we today it's the 10th or the four? no it's the 10th it's the 10th already oh yeah. my gosh how did we get here already i'm looking at captain morgan again our millennial produce assistant producer and she uh she put it at the fourth. I'm like, dude, is she six days behind us? What how, how does millennials I thought millennials were faster than us? <laughs> Time travel. Time traveling millennials. Anyway. Uh it, it's talking about the diagnosis of autism. And this is this is a really important and and John just nails it on the head once again, John Rampaport, my good friend. And he talks about the fact that the this is a fake diagnosis in a sense. It's a trick diagnosis. Because if you go in to the uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Court because your child was injured. And let's say your child does fall in under the, the so-called behavioral definition of autism. And you go in and say, that vaccine caused my child to get autism. Good luck on getting any compensation because they've rigged the game against it by by taking us away from what autism really is. Brain injury, mercury toxicity, encephalopathy, etc. All of these things that cause injury to the brain and also we... We know the, the the peripheral nervous system and the connective tissue and you know the, the the gut, the microbiome, all of it's related, and all of these things manifest as what is umbrellaed as autism. Yet the uh, diagnosis, calling it that, means for sure if that if this happened after vaccination, you will not be helped at all, because they've said vaccines don't cause autism, but they don't say b- vaccines don't cause brain encephalopathy, swelling, right, Ticks or other neurological things. So thing is go, you don't know that you go in there and you blow it just by calling it autism now it could really be based on that umbrella term but the fact is they don't want you to have the link because that means fewer of you will be willing to subject your children to experimental injections those things called vaccination jason do we have dr batar connected yet okay still working on it all right so we'll, is, does that make sense super don i mean i, I th- this is, is a complicated thing when you get into Uh, diagnoses official medical diagnoses but by calling it autism you do a disservice to you know what it really is and what could protect uh, these families after the fact of course it's a little late to protect them but well autism
0: i mean the term autism is just it's not like a singular diagnosis right right and that's one of the things that john points out is that when you know say oh well so-and-so has autism well Mm -hmm. what does that mean exactly it isn't just one thing you can put your finger on. It's just kind of a, it's kind of like saying hepatitis C or something, right? It's, it's, well, it's, it's something we don't know what, what exactly to call it. So we'll just call it this.
2: But how wrong is it that if you went into the compensation program because you, or your child was injured by vaccines and you claimed autism because your doctor told you it was autism and then they would automatically reject it out of hand because you said autism. I mean, you know how screwed these people are. They were, they were hosed the first time when they were told the vaccines were safe. Then they go in to see if they can get some help from the government because you can't sue the vaccine maker. And they say, well, no, it, vaccines don't cause autism, so that's not possible. Boom, dismissed.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of done before you even get started, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk that's about this, being rigged. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. It's totally rigged. And wasn't there a, a doctor talking about the fact that that system is rigged? There was a, I think Robert Moxley was talking about that. For 20 years he's been engaged as a lawyer meeting in those courts. And he said it's rigged from the word go on this issue. So this is you know, this is the kind of nonsense we're dealing with, and it's it's just dangerous nonsense. Because they tell they tell you, trust us, we're the doctors, <clears throat> trust us we're the government. and Your child is hurt, it's one in whatever they claim it is, but it's one in one when it's your child. And then your doctor says, Yeah, that's autism. You go in for a compensation, they say, Nope, vaccines don't cause autism. You gotta educate your doctor if this happens and make them say brain encephalopathy, something that's listed that, that you know you would get compensated for. Or even better, don't subject your child to be injected in this way. There are more and more of you, although it's still such a negligible percentage relative to total amount over 90%. So my feeling is it should be 90% no no vaccines and 10% you can't ever reach, right? There, there are always going to be some people that are going to do it anyway. But we're not going to be dealing with massive outbreaks. Those massive outbreaks are due not to the virus necessarily, but to the general condition of the person suffering.
0: Right. Yep, this is true, and this just goes back to you know what we opened the the show with in the first hour. That they want you to be afraid of the pandemic. They want you to be afraid of the virus or the germ or the the bacteria or something because that is supposed to be the threat. And and it's just it's ironic. That you know they want to point to the fact that the reason why this is happening is because of what we're doing to the environment and what we're doing to the terrain, mm-hmm. but they don't want to even even acknowledge that the terrain is the the solution to yeah. the problem and it's not not we 're not talking about the, the the wetlands or the you know where the birds and the pigs are, but you know the terrain that's that 's actually inside your body which is your which is your defense yep. that's your defense that against your the virus. System.
2: I've said this, your immune system doesn't even have to technically intercede on your behalf when you're so healthy everything bounces off of you. But the reality is your immune system responds appropriately when you have a healthy, happy microbiome, which is also destroyed by vaccines, much less antibiotics and other things. Uh, So clean up what goes into your body. Help the body remove what it doesn't need. That's the cornerstone of everything Dr. Batar does in advanced medicine. And if you haven't read his international best-selling book, please get it, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. And we've got all kinds of cool links. And if you ever miss, uh, you know, one of these advanced medicine shows, it's real easy. You go to medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com. Of course, it's also available on our syndicator GCN, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, UK Health Radio, and, of course, on the SoundCloud, we have it linked at robertscottbell.com. we got more with Dr. Vitar. He should be back with us as we're fixing the line for him. After the break, and we'll be back with more powerful advanced medicine healing on the Robert Scott Bell Show right after this. The Robert Scott Bell
0: Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
2: Go where the truth takes him. Here's Robert. And that's Dr. Roger Battar. You can find him at drbattar.com, B U T T A R. And of course, uh, we have uh, links to medicalrewind.com, an easy place to catch up on old archives that never go bad. Hundreds and hundreds of hours of the advanced medicine segments together. Dr. Battar, this is an interesting article. It says, when you go get a second opinion, which you you know always say it's a good idea, especially when they're, you know, giving you an opinion on cancer, for instance, eighty eight percent of the time it's gonna be different than the first opinion you got. And the question is who's right, who's wrong? The first doctor, the second doctor, the third, the tenth? What's your perspective on this?
1: Well, let's say that we set this aside just for a moment and we go back to a study that was published in the Uh, I believe it was in the early 1980s in the New England Journal of Medicine, and they were looking at the analysis and interpretation of arteriograms, which is basically a test for those that don't know, a test that you inject a dye into the vascular system, and then you take fluoroscopy images, and basically wherever the dye is, it kind of tells you where there's good flow and where there's not. So sometimes before, in fact, usually before you need to have a cardiovascular surgery, they'll do an arteriogram to see where the arteries are perfusing blood and, and which arteries are not perfusing blood anymore to kind of see where the occlusion is. Yeah. So in this particular study that was done in the New England Journal of Medicine, they took the same arteriograms that were interpreted and gave them to the same doctors that interpreted them, and they found that on different days, same doctor interpreting the same test would give you a different result or give you a different interpretation on a different day so when you're looking at the second opinion from doctors 88 percent of time that's two different doctors but the point being that even if you go to the same doctor depending on whether his wife got in a fight with him or depending whether he had a car wreck depending whether his dog needed a hernia surgery he may give you a different opinion based upon how he's feeling or his mood because he's human
2: sure Sure. but you mentioned the difference in an analytical test even Uh, or is it the interpretation of the test i think you know blood chemistry changes minute to minute does it not
1: well that's exactly right but this is actually the same static test in other words they didn't have them do another test they gave them the same test done at the same time you know previously it's the same exact copy and but they interpreted it a different way so same doctor interpreting the same test gave you a different result so that's the point that you don't even have to really rely on on a on a different doctor doing a, giving you a second opinion. You can go to the same doctor, and he may give you a different opinion.
2: Right. So, do we come to the point where we throw our hands up and go, "What's the point?" Right? Or uh, there's got to be another way. I mean, what is this telling there is us about
1: way.
2: advanced medicine? I mean, as opposed to what this regular medicine stuff is.
1: Well, actually, even even with advanced medicine, with, you know, with, with, whatever functional medicine, integrative medicine, whatever kind of medicine it is, Robert, the, the key point here is that. You know, you can take, I've seen this in my own field, I've seen doctors that do heavy metal toxicity, and I've seen uh, screenings and treatment, I've seen doctors treating autism, from an integrative standpoint, and they make the same kind of, I mean, I don't understand how some of these doctors can make the same type of uh, deduction, I, I just don't get it, so I think the key is not the type of medicine or the philosophy of medicine. I think that this comes back to what our slogan is in our show. The power to heal is yours. Now, we're not talking about necessarily healing yourself, but yes, you can actually heal yourself. But some people may not believe it. And if they don't believe it, then they're not going to be able to do that. This comes back to relying on your own innate intelligence, your own higher self, your your, 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 the universal consciousness, the soul, source, energy, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. This is the reason that I have all my patients pray before they start treatment at our clinic, uh, all our patients that are cancer patients, and I should probably extend that to all our patients. And what you need to do is you need to understand that is that information that you've been given by the doctor, who's another human being, does it make sense to you? Does it feel <laughs> yes. like it makes sense to you on your soul level?
2: Yes. Have uh, I mean, you taken it to the place, the only place we can go? Because, as you said, these humans are fallible. Doctors, even homeopaths, they are. You've got to check in with your gut, your inner sense, your spidey senses, your innate intelligence, the vital force as well. And, of course, unfortunately, we've been taught for a long time as a Western culture to rely on experts and pay no attention to the gut feelings, the heart feelings you're getting.
1: Exactly. That's it. We're taught not to pay attention. Oh, no, that's just in your head. That's mm-hmm. just the sixth sense just your gut. That's actually... God talking to us. That's the universal consciousness. That's the soul energy. That is your spirit talking to you. It is guiding you, and you must listen to it. I have been amazed that when people actually start to listen to that inner voice, that inner voice is your inner guidance, it will always, always lead you in the right path.
2: That's the beautiful message of advanced medicine. You think we're going to go all medical on you? Heck no, we're going to go spiritual on you, because that's where all healing ultimately is. And, of course, yes, if you need medicine, too. Okay, we talk about that. We've got lots more discussion on advanced medicine healing, including, oh, there's a gallstone surgery. This would be an I told you so from Dr. Batar, I think, coming up. Also, vaccine dangers versus chemical. vaccine. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Beljo. Guess what? If you cannot get enough of Dr. Batar once a week here on the radio doing advanced medicine, we are going to be together. That's right, RSB, Dr. Batar, Dr. B. He'll be in San Diego at the Best Answer for Cancer. We've got the Integrative Us uh, series of events for CMEs for doctors. So calling all doctors, come on out and meet Dr. Batar. I'll be there. He'll be there. Dr. Tony Jimenez will be there. My good buddy Chris Barr will be there. We'll have a good time. Uh, Paul Baratiero says he'll stop by. We'll do some molecular hydrogen as well. And uh, Dr. Tom, I'm just thrilled because, we, you know, we, when we were doing the circuit, doing some advanced medicine seminars, that was a lot of fun. We had such so a great time, and we haven't done a lot of those together. So uh, it's going to be a, a good weekend when we're together.
1: Yeah, it, it is going to be a good time. Uh, it, and it's uh, something that, we will be doing the advanced medicine seminars. If you remember, Robert, that year that we did the six, we were supposed to do six, we did five, which, you know, we pretty much hit our goal, what our goal was. But it was just a test to see mm-hmm. how well would it would be received. And we did five in five different cities. And now in another year, we plan on restarting that, but it'll be on a much bigger scale. So that was just a test market to see was it going to work. Cool. And we believe that it's going to work really well. So we, we anticipate that 2018, we'll have a road trip. It may only be three or four. And our goal will be to strive to become, when we grow up, that we're going to be like Ties Conferences.
2: <laughs> yeah, big and bad in a good way. Uh, also, uh, we'll uh, be launching the Truth About Vaccines. That's the 12th. Dr. Batar is one of the featured doctors in there. He's terrific in this thing, as he always was. is. And uh, I think I'll talk about homeoprophylaxis and some other issues Uh, as well to give you other options beyond vaccines. So get ready for that to download it. You can sign up. It's free. We have a banner link at robertscabell.com so check it out there as well. Uh, Hey, this is great. I love this. Usually Super D puts these together for me. These I told you so segments. But guess what? There's a perfect one for Dr. Batar because he's been saying this for years and just now they are figuring it out. What is it? You're going to find out in just a moment. Yeah, well I don't want to sound like a but I told you so. I told Doctor so is oh, i told you so dr going country now he told you so what did he tell you hey there's a study here that says surgery for gallstones may not all be always be necessary for all patients it's like what have you been saying for years
1: yeah it's actually something we talked about on the show Couple years back, Robert, we there was an epiphany that I had. I had a general surgeon that came in as a patient. A lot of our patients are physicians, or uh, healthcare providers, and um, or or family members of healthcare providers. Anyway, this surgeon came in. He wasn't. He came in for performance enhancement, and he was a triathlete. This was years ago. This is almost uh, this is probably fifteen, sixteen years ago, and he actually came in because he wanted to start on. Uh, Transdetropin, which isn't a product that's available anymore for those that know there's a there's a newer version of it. But anyway, uh he came in for performance enhancement. And what was interesting was that his gallbladder, I was getting his history, and as I'm getting his history, I asked him if he'd had any previous surgeries, and he tells me, yeah, I had a cholecystectomy, which is a gallbladder removal. And so that's a routine thing. My background's in general surgery, that's where I did my training in. So, you know, it's just a normal history thing. You write it down. And just as a side note, I asked him, did you did you have a HIDA scan done to see functionality? And he says, yeah, my hide scan showed a 12% functioning or something like that, 10% functioning. And as he said that, it just hit me, and I think I went into like a, like a few-second trance. I may have had a petite mal seizure or something because I remember thinking, wait a second. When we're down to 10% functioning of something that should be pre- functioning at 100%, we should be working on enhancing that 10% or 12% up to 15, 20, 30%, and get it back up to 100%. But what do we do instead? We just remove it. That doesn't make any sense. And I looked up at him, and it was at the same point in time he was having the exact same epiphany. It was the funniest thing because both of us huh. kind of were looking down at the ground, looked at each other like, what the? You know, it's like one of those moments. Yeah. And so this was something we covered in the show a couple of years back. And so this... This, coming, this article comes up and revalidates exactly what we're talking about. Many of these studies that we do, we see organ system function decline, and what do we do in response to that? We remove the organ, and that is not how the body works. That is not how common sense works. If you no. have something that's not functioning but it serves a purpose, <laughs> then you may need to upregulate and increase them and improve the functioning of that we shouldn't remove it completely that's like saying your car's only working at 20 percent efficiency okay let's just go ahead and bury it well now you're yeah. not going to have transportation <laughs> if you want to go and trade in for a new car well if we could do that with organs great but yeah. we really haven't gotten to that point yet so that's we need to analogy. take care of our cars
2: you take it yeah. in the mechanic he says your alternative is working 20 percent. Uh, let's just remove it carry on it's like wait i can't drive now at all it was better at 20 than at zero But again, regular medicine, for the most part, you know, when they do, as you said, the surgery is often an admission of failure. It's like, well, we give up. We don't know what to do to make it go from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40. So let's just remove it. I mean, it's like, yeah, think about that, the lack of common sense there. That's why, you know, for years you've been, I told you so, and now they're finally figuring it out. This was actually a study published in the Journal of uh, Gastroenterology. They still don't know why. They just acknowledge that maybe we don't have to do surgery all of the time.
1: Uh, and that's that's better than where they were, you know but i mean it's it's good that they've they've actually acknowledged that part, but there's a long way to go still
2: yeah I think uh the 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 why as well it, it may be well a little bit of what's in this n p r article by Rosenthal, and she says how the u s healthcare became big business, and Superdon was sort of impressed with this article and he started relating it to me. I'm like, dude, this woman doesn't either she purposefully is deceiving us. Or she's just wanting to go halfway there to say, like, hey, I'm a champion, let's have single-payer government-controlled medicine, because if you actually allow the free market to take care of, oh, here, let me see if I remember this correctly. This person says, if you actually let the free market take care of polio, there would be no polio vaccine, and we would still have polio, and then guess what? We would have iron lungs in multicolored with iPhone apps attached to them. And it's like, Mm. Really? She doesn't understand that we have a government-sanctioned monopoly thanks to the Flexner Report of 1910 leading to a theoretical, pretend, fake free market. It's not capitalism, even. And made it an artificial monopoly reality where the incentive is never to cure a disease because the business of disease is disease. The profit is only there when disease perpetuates ad infinitum. In a free market, people will go, be clamoring for some something that really works. And it would rise to the top very quickly as people don't want to be sick or most people don't want to be sick. So again, that's why I look at this article. I'm going, man, this is a halfway job to deceive people.
1: Well, maybe, maybe it wasn't intentionally to deceive people. Maybe she's not quite fully evolved and understands the whole situation, but it's certainly bringing up an interesting point, but she's forgotten the essence of it. She's forgotten the root cause of it. And that's one of the things you have to address. And, I think that coming back to your point just now, that it goes back to the Flexen Report, and that's where really the whole change was. I mean, you start looking at very, very simple things, such as the use of homeopathy during the Civil War, which was, right. it was a, the mainstay, it was actually the predominant method of treating and everybody used it and it was accepted and it was mainstream i mean homeopathy was mainstream before the before um the flexion report and this during the civil war then after this flexion report something changed something drastically disrupted the status quo and there was an organized method of taking over the power and the control so that the medical hierarchy came in very organized very methodical looking long-term and change the game. The game. Uh,
2: yeah, they were the, they the playing were playing field. the. They were definitely playing the long game because they knew that they wouldn't wipe it out overnight. But if they eliminated the the training schools, the medical schools that taught homeopathy and naturopathy and even chiropractic, that there would be le- less competition for the healthcare dollar, or even less competition in the realm of school of thought. You know, it, you were only legitimate if you taught petrochemical patent pharmaceuticals. And this this woman, I think it's inexcusable. She's a medical journalist that can't go back that far.
1: Yeah, but there's medical journalists like, you know, how many medical journalists out there that are still reporting garbage. I mean, 95% <laughs> of them don't know the difference between a hole in the ground and you know what. So, um, yes. that, you know, that's it, it's not it's not really comparing it to a very high,
2: level high standard, of term, right, if you will. I mean, if so, you really want to but, learn about the medical history of America, read Harris Coulter's series of books, Divided Legacy. That'll put put something in, in your brain for once that's good. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's. Uh, I, I haven't read that book, but I have heard about that book, and I've heard it's, been, it's, it's very good. Um, one thing, Robert, I was going to say, just uh-huh. on a side note, that if you look at the Flexner Report and you look at what it did in medicine, it's very similar to what happened with marijuana mm. and how it was disrupted, why it was... It was considered to be the gift from the gods by our forefathers. And then because of the paper industry, um, how that was manipulated into the marijuana plant was manipulated into being something that was evil and legislation was passed to make it illegal. And it was really because it grew faster than trees. It was more versatile than trees. It provided more um, utilization from a from an industry standpoint. But because of people that owned the tree farms, they didn't want marijuana to take over the tree plant so they actually lobbied congress etc so it's a very similar thing uh you see the pattern that you take something that's more innovative and instead of embracing it and encouraging it you right. minimize it and demonize it to to reduce it and so that you can maintain your own status quo and so you can maintain your own power and this Thinking is really what what came to is the same analogy
2: demonizing it i think we have some audio from uh, margaret maggie heckler who used to be the head of fda talking about cannabis
0: Who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I
2: don't know. Satan! Yeah, see, they demonized it right there. Remember that? Yeah. So (laughs) the reality is it's so absurd. It's silly. But, again, our cognitive abilities are disrupted via propaganda, via chemical infusion from day one, whether it be vaccines with mercury or on out to fluoride, on out to the the medical drugs, psychotropic drugs endocrine disrupting compounds all the things persistent organic pollutants dr Batar writes about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away i mean all of these things weaken our minds so that we become vulnerable to suggestion and then now we look and we go wow we can't have freedom freedom would end up with multicolored iron lugs with iphone apps and everybody would have polio i mean it's an absurd statement because they don't even acknowledge the role of toxins yeah, and, and pesticides it and ddt
1: yeah no it's a very very absurd statement without without a doubt it's an absurd statement um and and they're yeah, there's no excuse for that. So hopefully that what we just did, and just by covering this part of it, will open open somebody's eyes. But you know what? I have to say that, Robert, it is a mm-hmm. step in the right direction. Even though it's a yes. l- huge journey still up forward in front of them, but they still are stepping in the right direction. Somebody's at least bringing it up.
2: Yeah, they're toe-tapping, seeing if the water's warm. Let's see if I can get a little bit closer there. I recognize that many of these folks uh, at that level of writing for NPR will lose their jobs if they go even a step too far, because guess what? Even though it's so-called publicly funded, it really, there's a lot of big pharma grants for PBS and NPR, things like that. So they are very favorable in their presentation. They they, they walk gingerly. And remember also, single-payer is not going to upset the, the the makers of vaccines and drugs. It just means they're going to collect from one source rather than a hundred or a thousand or a million. So they'll actually like it. Big Pharma, is, is, they've got you unless you know them. All right, folks, we've got a lot more advanced medicine to go. One more segment with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Chemical weapons versus vaccines now. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In the health world, through the power of radio, it's the Robert Scott Bell Show.
2: How many pills are too many? I, I guess I suppose uh, what, what's in the pill. If we have time, we'll get to that. If not, it's in the notes, robertscottbell.com. Also, archives for the advanced medicine segments, uh, medicalrewind.com. First up, though, great editorial by Mike Adams at Natural News. There are far more vaccine-damaged children in America than chemical weapons-damaged children in Syria. This is not to diminish any child that's harmed by anything, but uh, my gosh, what happened to our kids back home that we've got to attack someone in a foreign land about the way he may or may not be treating his children? Vaccine damage, chemical weapons damage, or is, well, maybe the medical drugs could be considered chemical weapons damage too. What do you think, Dr. Pitar?
1: Well, I think absolutely um, they can they can both be considered uh you know, weapons of mass destruction, chemical damage assault I mean it's really the same thing it, it's kind of an interesting standpoint when you have to bring up and compare it like to the you know, number of kids that are u s in the u s that are damaged by chemicals. but you know a chemical is a chemical is a chemical, right? whether it's something that's weaponized, something that's uh, used in the under the pretense of public safety whatever it is if it's assaults and damages and causes. Yeah. Disruption.
2: What would you call mercury-containing vaccines if not a chemical weapon? I mean, what what else would yeah, it be exactly?
1: Yeah, it's, and it's a weapon of mass destruction. is <laughs> really mm-hmm. what it is.
2: Yeah, and he says, you know, Assad choked out the lives of innocent men, women, and children. It was a slow and brutal death. You could say the same thing if you replace Assad with CDC and the vaccine industry. And then, of course, they don't like to acknowledge it. But I mean, this is it's devastating. And of course, if we expand it to adults, we talk about the chemicals that are the pills, right? And what they're really doing to human health.
1: Yeah. And the thing is that not to justify one evil with another evil, but you know, you look at the evil that's being done here with the vaccines, you're affecting an individual and the family and you're prolonging the, the agony you're actually, you're affecting it from a generational standpoint, as opposed to the more humane thing, if you're going to If you're going to eliminate somebody, you're going to try to take them out. You would do it sooner, faster, as opposed to the slow lingering way that the vaccine industry has done it. And again, you know, some people would say that this is uh, irresponsible for us to talk this way, Robert. But when we know what we know, uh, it's hard to undo it and it's hard to ignore it because that's exactly what it is. This is the greatest atrocity ever committed against any any species um, on the planet historically this has been the most barbaric time with what's happened with the vaccines and with the mercury aspect introducing a known poison into children and and then seeing the results over the last 25 years of the increase in neurodegenerative problems and and deterioration of the vascular the neurovascular system seeing the denudation of the neurofibrils all this stuff and still continuing and saying no it's not vaccines no it's not mercury no it's not it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah. Well, the this issue is, of this uh, is uh, makes
1: Hitler look like a nice guy.
2: It, well, it's the issue of deception. And it's not only that we have been deceived in the past. Maybe we've woken up to it, but many people are still being deceived. And and let's be honest, the doctors have been deceived, but we would ask more of them having a doctorate degree to go further and deeper and actually read the studies, if there are any. or And or the inserts from the vaccine manufacturer study the adverse event reporting system. Look into the National Vaccine uh, Compensation Program and see what kind of money that's being paid out for what kind of injuries. So, we, you know, I don't want to absolve the doctors of, of responsibility. At the same time, I do acknowledge they are deceived through their training, too.
1: Yeah, and, and the deception of the doctor's training, this isn't actually a medical or a doctor fault. This is a, this is a more governmental slash oversight slash medical hierarchy
2: Issue. The, the business of disease is business, and the Flexor Report established medical training to be what it is today. And, and that's where we get doctors that follow orders, and if they don't, they lose their license. And here we have, again, a, a, a National Socialist Party, if you will, uh, even if they have good intentions, bringing great harm to the people that they're claiming to help.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
2: Now that, that i bummed exactly. everybody out, everybody, <laughs> come out and see us in San Diego. Dr. Rasha Bittar is going to be with me at Best Answer for Cancer uh, with Dr. Tony Jimenez featured in The Truth About Cancer and the upcoming Truth About Vaccines that will be released on the 12th of this month in a couple of days. Very exciting. And Dr. Batar always has some really targeted things to reveal about them, and you'll learn why we all well, communicate about vaccines the way we do. Dr. Vitar appreciate you, my friend. Um, looking forward to seeing you out there. Same here, Robert. Same here. and sorry about the little technical difficulties earlier on. Yeah, well, Super Don will deal with you later. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back tomorrow. I'll get some rest, I promise, because the power to heal and sleep, I hope, is mine and yours.
0: The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bill Show.